welcome Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. It is a Wednesday edition of the show, which means we are in prime time at 7 p.m. for this evening's show, where we will talk about the most intriguing second-year player for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There is a slew of players from last year's draft class that Tampa Bay is relying on to have a huge season or at least have a huge role on this team. So we're going to talk a lot about that and more. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Join with me on tonight's show from A to Z Sports. Very happy to have on this podcast, Evan Winter. Evan, thank you so much for joining me, my man. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Matt, and thanks so much for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure, and I hope everything's well on your end as well. Yeah, things are good. I remember we first met a couple of years ago. You were at Bucks training camp, and you were watching tape of Vita Vea, and you're like, hey, you want to come over and watch this guy, see what he's going to do? And we bonded like right after that. So I always enjoy your your uh, company when you're at Bucks training camp, and, of course, you're doing great things over at uh, A to Z. For those that might not be familiar, just uh, let them know what you're doing over there. Yeah, so managing editor over at A2ZSports.com. Uh, and, I mean, we're, you know, we're moving through the motions whenever it comes to, you know, trying to build a powerhouse of our own like y'all have over there. And uh, we're moving to all NFL coverage, you know, 23 of the 32 teams right now, all 32 in August is the plan. So a lot of big, big moving parts, uh, you know, hopefully in the in the future. Yeah, very cool. So if you want to read up on another team as well, go on over to a to Z sports want to give a shout out to everybody in the chat right now. The Peter people, I already see some love for uh, Jake Camarda. We'll talk a little bit about Jake and what we expect from him. Of course, Kate Otten as well, but Evan, you actually had a story this morning about a uh, Bucks offensive coordinator, Dave Canales, what you already like about him. Can you please just give us a little uh, synopsis of just your overall thoughts about the Bucks new offensive coordinator. Yeah. So first off, I mean, that picture right there, just look at that, man. I mean, <laughs> like Stop. that is, yeah, that's like, that's, that's an NFL coach right there. But no, I mean, obviously the number one thing that comes to mind with Dave Canales is he's not a retread, you know, and he's also young and he runs a modern NFL offense. So obviously that's the number one thing that stands out to me, but you know, it was really interesting. I thought um, when he first spoke a couple weeks ago uh, and he mentioned how he's trying not to rush things, you know, he wants the guys to really understand this offense. And he also wants to prove to them that it works before they really start diving in. It's not necessarily like proving himself or proving the system. Yeah. It's just establishing that comfort level, you know, and also, you know, kind of like what I like to do in a, in a management position is, you know, you want people to have that bond. You know, you you want to go through the motions with them and see how they process things, all that other stuff. So it's all of that. And then, you know, it was so cool to hear Baker Mayfield specifically say that him not rushing it and how he's approached this entire install, for lack of a better word, uh, you know, it's been great. And Chris Godwin echoed those same sentiments. You know, even uh, Godwin said it's going to be really cool to see how everything is going to come together and, I think uh, paraphrasing here, but, you know, things are really going to hit the ground running once training camp kicks off because you know, things are moving a lot quicker in terms of guys picking things up. You know, even Baker said when the bullets get fly flying, uh, you know, things get messy, but that didn't happen. I loved how he said they didn't have too many pre-snap penalties. I know yeah. for the Bucks, that's been more of a defensive side of the ball thing over the last few years, but still encouraging. You know, you don't want sloppy play. So overall, man, just, you know, him taking this, methodical scrupulous approach and it, at first it seems a little counterintuitive because of you know there's not a lot of time to practice these days yeah. but really when you think about it you know if you move fast things can get lost in the shuffle in terms of guys not picking things up you know minor mistakes so on and so forth but creating everything and, and setting up that big foundation right now um you know honestly it's, it's a really good idea and I'm, I'm super excited to see how it works out yeah, it's so interesting to see how quickly he's fit in. And, of course, he's going to establish his offense and his scheme, so the players have to listen and and react to it. But the comfortability standpoint that you just talked about, he was in Seattle in one place for over a decade and over on the West Coast. So that's a big move for him. And, sure, it helps that he has wide receiver coach uh, Brad Idzik with him as well. But communication has been an issue for the Bucks on both sides of the ball. You can go back to – the divisional round playoff game against the Rams that ended the Bucs season. That was a communication issue that got Cooper Cup that opened down the field and ended their season. And we all know when, what went on last year between Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator, 
Brady and Mike Evans not being on the same page. So I know fans don't love hearing patience and oh, I don't even have all of the offense in just yet, but that's okay. Cause the offense is going to look extremely different uh, this season, which is very much a welcoming thing. There's going to be a lot of running the ball, which obviously goes right into our topic today with the second year players, because Rashad white RB one, Luke Gedeke, potentially the starting right tackle, at least on paper, he is. We can kind of go any number of ways ways with this, um, with last year's draft class going into year two. But the question for the show was, which second-year player is most intriguing to you personally, Evan? Who is it? And we can kind of go off from there. But for you, who are you most paying attention to? Yeah, it's a great question because when you really think about it, you know, all of these guys, you can make a case as to why either yes. A, they are intriguing in general or just B, Agreed. most intriguing. Yeah, and I actually I actually ranked them before I came on. Nice. So, but yeah, yeah I've do got, that. I've, yeah, man, I've definitely got – I've got Rashad White as number one, um, and that's because of what Todd Bowles said yesterday. You know, he flat out said when he was asked uh, if he expects a big season from Rashad, he said yes. I mean – you know, Todd's not going to beat around the bush, and he's also not going to give too much away. Um, you know, and he does use coach speak a lot of times, but when he's that direct, I'm listening. So, you know, that automatically vaulted Rashad up to the top of the list. And, you know, when you look at just what this Bucks rushing attack needs to look like in 2023, he is the perfect type of back for this system. You know, he's a good north and south runner. He can also get to the uh, outside real quickly, so one-cut guy. Um, you know, he's going to be a lot more effective than Leonard Fournette ever would have been in this offense. Um, and it all starts with him. Well, it all starts up front, but then it's yes. going to end up coming with him right behind it. And yeah, I mean, he's going to have to really hone in and and dig deep, but he's easily the number one, um, the number one most intriguing second year player after what Todd Bolt said yesterday. Yeah, you, it's hard to argue when your starting running back is in the equation for this topic to argue against him. I'm going to pick someone differently. I'll get to him. Uh, in a moment but yeah I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you I mean you heard Dave Canal say that he's a violent runner and he likes those type of running backs I love the fact that the Bucks offense is going to have a zone blocking scheme now because that was some of the traits with Rashad White even just getting drafted out of out of Arizona State is that he's a patient runner and he has good vision and you know he's elusive I wouldn't say he's like the most all-world you know, uh, tackle breaker by any means, but he can avoid the defender at times. But if you are running that zone type of offense, that requires the running back to have that patience, to have that proper vision. You're not just selling all out for one hole specifically to go to on any given play, which we saw the Bucks get in a lot of trouble, specifically on short yardage downs. I mean, that Pittsburgh game comes to mind. They couldn't convert any third and one, fourth and one. Hell, they even tried the Tom Brady QB sneak, and that didn't work in that game. So I just think this new look zone blocking offense is going to be absolutely fantastic for Rashad White. I respect everything that Leonard Fournette did for this team uh, when he was with the Bucs. Obviously, a huge reason why they won the Super Bowl. But I'm also glad that he's not on this year's roster, the 2023 roster, because there's no reason. And, you know, there's the whole Ezekiel Elliott conversation, and he's still available. I don't want him to end up in Tampa Bay because just let Rashad White be the guy. I understand young players, the rookie class that's coming in, these second-year players, there are times to be apprehensive about a young guy carrying the load, a young player being a key aspect of this team. Sometimes you just got to throw them into the water, though, and you know see what they can do. Sometimes you got to give them that experience, and I really think Rashad White don't let any other distractions. Don't worry about another veteran coming in to take some snaps. Just let him be the guy. I don't even think they scratched the surface with him. You look, he only had one rushing touchdown last year, Evan, and two receiving touchdowns. So there is still a lot more they can do with Rashad White. And that's why the guy I'm picking, I was torn between two players, but sticking with the run game, I think there's a lot of questions on the right side of the offensive line. We know on the left side, Trista Wirfs playing left tackle. Matt Filer penciled in at left guard, obviously Ryan Jensen at center. But that right side with Cody Mock, who's going to be on tomorrow's show, uh, a little plug there. And then yeah. Luke Gedeke is my pick. Just what is he going to do starting at right tackle? I'm very curious to get your thoughts about this, Evan, because I feel we are all collectively putting way too much stock into Luke Gedeke having one good game at right tackle in the last game of the season 
And it's the same reasons why we've written off, say, like KJ Britt and Kyle Trask for how poorly they played in those games. But all of a sudden, Luke Edicke is getting his flowers. Do I think <laughs> there are benefits to him playing on his natural side of the right side and playing where he played in college at offensive tackle? Absolutely. That's going to be way more comfortable for him. And I'm not saying that he's unable to do the job, but if he can play at a high level or just do what the Bucks ask of him, the offensive line is going to improve leaps and bounds. So that's why I think for Luke Gedeke, if he's not your right tackle, who is? And that's why I find it most intriguing because it's a little bit of all or nothing right now with that right side of the offensive line, at least that tackle. Guard, there's great depth, but tackle, uh, I think there's a lot more questions. Yeah, he's he was number two on my list, and the biggest thing the biggest thing from coming from my mind is, and I'm with you 100 percent on the final game of the year. Like it, it, that, how you brought up KJ Britt and Kyle Trask, that was like perfect because yeah, they've played poorly, but all of a sudden get you know Gedeke has one good game, and it's like oh, we figured it out. He's the answer, you know. But um, yeah. <laughs> but it's but obviously the Bucks think a lot about it too because they felt comfortable enough with using him at right tackle or the idea of him at right tackle potentially and obviously Tristan at left tackle to where they didn't really make a tackle a priority in the draft you know they kind of played the board and if a tackle fell to them you know then that was kind of the approach that they were going to take it then they weren't going to force themselves into taking a tackle so that right there is all gives him all the reason to be number two on this list and he was number one before the bowls comment yesterday for me um Obviously, they feel strongly about him because they have completely forewent or foregone, you know, adding another. And when you also juxtapose it with the guard competition on the inside and how, you know, pretty much Matt Filer is probably going to win left guard unless something crazy just happens. But now you've got like six people stacked up for the right guard competition. (laughs) So and you don't have you don't really have a swing tackle. So, yeah, it's just like it's obviously something that they are seeing something in him to where they are feeling very, very good about it, or it's going to turn into a horrendous mistake. It's, it's either going to go one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, very true. And, you know, Brandon Walton was that swing tackle started in the game last year when Donovan Smith got hurt. That's also because their other offensive tackle, uh, Justin Wells got hurt uh, too. So it was, more out of a uh, necessity type of thing. Well, yeah, and Harold Goodwin said a couple weeks ago that he thinks Brandon Walton's home is on the inside. He thinks he's better on the inside. So that just completely threw around. It's kind of like when they said Greg Gaines, you know, they visioned him as nose. I was kind of like, wait, what? So, you know, I mean, like, <laughs> they've got some interesting uh, uh, perspectives coming into the offseason. It's going to be interesting to see how they play out for sure. With that said, I love the depth on the interior offensive line. I mean, Robert Haynes, he started every single game last year up until Ryan Jensen got in the mix. And then of course, Nick Leverett got hurt, but having uh, a as a viable option to plug in and play at any moment, Aaron Stinney comes back. Now Stinney's a little bit limited because he can only play guard and he can't really play tackle. And I don't think he's played center either, but he was the starter for the whole playoff run. Like there is some credibility to that um and, and nick leverett as well just super super versatile so i absolutely love the depth because someone's yeah. going to win that job like remember aaron Stinney could have won it last year but he got hurt in the preseason in that game against the indianapolis colts so he never really had a shot who knows what happens getty might not even start in that situation if aaron Stinney is available but that was last year um i do like this comment from flash gordon who says i'm not worried about getty uh, just like Kappa and Hainsey before him, he's reformed his body and is ready. So I think that's also important. It goes back to patience, what we were talking about with Dave Canales. Not every rookie that comes in shines right away. I've said it before, Bucks fans are spoiled because Antoine Winfield Jr. or Tristan Wirfs, I should have started with, those two guys in that draft class were incredible in their rookie year. And that just doesn't happen all the time. And I think Alex Kappa is a great example of someone that came in was uh, an offensive tackle, moves to the guard position, and then ended up being a very viable starter for the Bucks up until he got hurt. But then he signed that big contract with the Cincinnati Bengals. So I don't think by any means any second-year player really in general should you absolutely give up on. But I think why Rashad White is one and, and Gedeke is two or vice versa, however you want to look at it, some of the other positions that you have here with these second-year players that we'll talk about there's more room where if this player fails, they can find someone else to pick it up. But with Gedeke specifically, 
if it doesn't work out with him, where do you go from there? And I, I think the dropping point is the scariest part of it all. Yeah, man. Yeah, and it goes back to, you know, the original point is they must see something in him, you know, outside of just that one game. And obviously they're with him way more than we are. So they would obviously know more, but it's it's interesting for sure. And, you know, you just fingers crossed that it works out because, too, you know, you, you can't have the offensive line you had last year because this year yeah. is really big about evaluation in terms of the big picture. Got a lot of guys on one year deals, you know, especially at court, you know, quarterback. Um, and if you if you things are just a mess up front, you're not going to get a true evaluation of what you need to know going into next year sets you back, yada, yada. So, yeah, they've, they've got to get this figured out for sure. Absolutely. Uh, get to a other, couple other comments here. David Arbuckle says most intriguing. I'm just hoping Logan Hall makes the team. Wow. Uh, obviously, Foles doesn't have a lot of faith in Hall or he would have played more. And then Charlie Johnson says Kate Otten with uh, three question marks. So. Evan, you made a rankings. Who do you have as your uh, third player on this list? So I've got Zion McCollum um, just because he is so athletic, man. And when you have a player with that athleticism playing a, a premium position like cornerback, now granted, you've got two outside corners already in Carlton and Jamel, but we know sometimes Carlton shadows, so he could play inside from time to time. Yep. And then Zion could come outside. Um, but also they need an answer. The Bucks need an answer at nickelback. And now obviously Zion, his traits and everything relate more to an outside corner. But a guy with that much athleticism, uh, I mean, man, why not at least give him a crack? And if it works out, then all of a sudden the Bucks secondary looks pretty damn good. Um, you know, now that they've got the nickel position sewn up. Obviously, his his tackling issues last year um, were very, very noticeable. And yes. when you're playing nickel, you've got to be a good run defender. You've got to be able to wrap up and play the run. So that's definitely something that uh, would need to be taken into account. And also you've got Josh Hayes, who was just drafted. Um, but still, just man with – you know, his athletic, I think what he got a perfect 10 out of 10 in the RAS score, or it was like a 9.93, something like that. Either way, just when you have a player with that much athleticism, again, playing a premium position like cornerback, um, that just immediately piques my interest, especially whenever there's a big need like the nickelback position. And hey, let's be honest, you know, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean, they don't stay healthy all the time. So, uh, you know, having a viable number three in that rotation who can come in in case one of them go down, you know, that would be huge as well. There's no question about it. It's so funny, man. We're kind of thinking similar right now because I was torn between Luke Edeke and Zion McCollum as my top overall pick. And you might be questioning, oh, why Zion McCollum? You know, he's a backup. You know, you got it with Jamel and, and Carlton Davis. And, you know, those guys are great there. But, yeah, I, I obviously I think the biggest missing piece of this Bucks defense is figuring out that slot corner position. And Jason Light has said we view slot, nickel corner, whatever you want to call it, as a starting position. And I believe it was Jason. It was Jason Light. And then I think also Todd Bowles talking about some in-house candidates to compete for uh, that role. And they mentioned mm -hmm. D Delaney. And I, I like D Delaney. I think he's a very serviceable special teams player. But I like him as, you know, CB4. I don't, I don't know if I love right. him in the lineup specifically. But Zion McCollum, with that speed that he has, you have to use that to your advantage. And the Bucs used him on special teams as a gunner for sure. But – Todd Bowles loves speed above anything else. So you got a guy like that in the lineup. And I can't help but think, and it's a little bit of apples to oranges, but he got injured early on in training camp. I believe it was a, I believe it was a, a hamstring injury. And I feel like he kind of got a little bit behind the eight ball there. And the reason why I say it's apples to oranges, because in an odd way, it reminds me of when Scotty Miller got his start. You know, another guy that got drafted mm -hmm. later on. And Scotty's not with the team anymore. We know he's in Atlanta. But Scotty Miller's rookie year was almost a redshirt year because he wasn't even really available to play or dressed to play uh, until the latter half of the season. It wasn't really till year two that he started to come on. And I think Zion, his rookie year also reminds me a little bit of Jamel Dean's. Most specifically, the Bucs had a game in Seattle against the yep. Seahawks. And Jamel Dean yep. was a spot start in that game because I forgot who it was, but someone like cramped up during warmups. And it's like, all right, Jamel, you're in. And he had to go in and he struggled, understandably so, a rookie who's finding out that he's starting half an hour before the game. And he bounced <laughs> back the next game and, you know, obviously went off to the races and he is where he is now. Now with Zion, he had some starting opportunities, again, out of necessity, like you were just talking about with some of the injuries that pop up with Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean. 
but he did get thrown into the fire. And maybe he didn't respond to the next game right away, like Jamel Dean did back in the day. But now he's got a whole nother year, another couple of months in this system, living in Tampa. He's ready now. He's healthy going into this. I'm just curious to see not having to worry about that injury at all. And I know it was a long time ago, but just being more comfortable in this offense or defense, excuse me. Uh, But the point you bring up about the tackling is spot on. We're going to learn a lot this year about what Zion can do as a tackler, because with everything about, oh, you're learning to play in the NFL and the experience. When it comes to tackling, it's like you either can or you can't. And he whiffed a lot in bad ways. I mean, that Carolina game, they picked on Zion McCollum. It was absolutely awful. And that game was so frustrating to Bucs fans because everyone thought the Bucs should have won that game. The Panthers just traded Christian McCaffrey. All they had was DJ Moore. And who's scoring the touchdowns? Pete, uh, DJ Moore in that game. So Zion, the tackling has to be improved tenfold. And even if he doesn't win that starting nickel position, that's fine. Being a backup in year two is still okay. But, you know, he's got a positive attitude. He's smiling everywhere. I'm sure, again, he's an offensive player. But being from Galveston, I'm sure Mike Evans has taken him under his wing. He's just a really interesting player with that secondary because I think it's the last piece to the puzzle. I I know there's some questions about edge rusher and defensive tackle, and we'll talk about Logan Hall. Um, But, yeah, Zion I think is super interesting. Let's talk about Logan Hall, though. What's your overall outlook on him going into this year? I know how I feel about him, but uh, the floor is yours for what you think of Logan Hall. Yeah, it's a tough sell, man. Um, I, it's it's hard for me to see him, you know, coming in and being the starter on day one. Now, you know, obviously it's harder for defensive linemen to transition to the NFL. You know, usually it might take them a little bit of time. So in terms of Kalijah Kansi, you know, maybe he doesn't get off to a fast start that, you know, people are kind of assuming that he will. And no pun intended there. I just realized that as I was saying. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, but, but just Logan and his tape, at points last season was just so bad. Um, you know, uh, couldn't get his pad level down. Um, obviously, his play strength wasn't there, and that's been a big talking point this offseason about how he's really getting stronger and stuff, which is great, but we need to see him use that on the field. You know, you can play like Tarzan or look like Tarzan, play like Jane, as yep. we all know. So, um, you know, and with Cansey now in the mix, um, you know, obviously they're going to need depth, but, man – I, I, I am intrigued to see what Logan does. He's definitely further down on my list. Um, and that's just mostly because, you know, you didn't see the flashes last year. I mean, maybe you saw two or three, but that and was they were really, early in the season, like the yeah, Packers game. Right, exactly. So, you know, like you just didn't see him pop, you know, on a consistent basis. And I'm not talking about like every single game. I'm just talking about, you know, just every couple weeks, something like that. You just didn't see that consistent flash that, you know, you like to see out of rookies um, that are finding their way. So, you know, there's a lot of questions. Don't know really how he's going to handle um, everything coming into the season. I mean, I'm sure mentally he'll be fine, but I'm talking about just uh, starting role, all that other stuff. So um, definitely interested to see what he does. But, yeah, he's definitely um, – he was he was, the penult- he was the penultimate player on my list. <laughs> <laughs> interesting uh he note says i'm glad you're here to talk about logan all of that is right on so giving a nice compliment to evan yeah i so i asked casey rogers the defensive line coach uh, a couple of weeks ago just his overall outlook on logan like where he needs to improve and and he essentially said part of it is my fault we just didn't play him enough just based on you know right. where the team was they are obviously in win now mode and we're looking to win the division and you had Will Golston in there. And, you know, I kind of – I mean, obviously, I believe what Casey Rogers says. But I agree with it, too. I There were times I just felt Logan Hall didn't get enough snaps, especially, like, later in the season. You look at his snap count. And, yes, some of the some of the, the overall production just wasn't there. I think his best game was that Packers game, really, when he got in Aaron Rodgers' face a couple of times. But I am curious to see – if he just gets more reps out there and he's one of the guys, it's him and Luke Gedeke that have put on some weight this year. Like we we were were looking at it the other day at practice on Tuesday, Logan Hall looks big. You can see the thickness with a couple of C's on Logan Hall. (laughs) So I I think it's really cool to see this year. And don't get me wrong. Will Golston all time buck in terms of just like fans love him Mm -hmm. late, 
to the game, or at least like later round pick, was on all the the bad teams with the Bucs and, you know, ends up winning a Super Bowl. Great with uh, the media as well. But I just want to see Logan Hall focused on playing that kind of like defensive end role that Will Golston had. And if Will Golston comes back, I think it's got to be as you got to understand Logan's going to be the top defensive tackle, obviously after like Vita Vea and, and Greg Gaines and everything like that. But Will's in just to give a couple of guys a break if they end up re-signing him. I think, Logan, there's still a lot of potential there. And I think with more weight and, as you said, defensive tackle is the the toughest position, one of them, to transition into the NFL. I mean, Will Golson, we had him on the podcast last year, and he said he's like a more athletic J.J. Watt. That's what he was saying about Logan Hall. And that is the highest (laughs) of the highest praise that you can really get. So I think Logan just – more experience than anything else. And then, of course, having Kalijah Kansi now, I'm curious to see how they'll implement the Bucks' defensive front because Todd Bowles loves to move people around. I also do feel for Logan specifically, it might just be better if he's just at that one spot, that defensive end, Will Golston role. But, uh, yeah, I think it's really important, but that kind of goes back to what I was saying where if if Logan Hall doesn't pan out this year or he struggles like he did last year, you have other guys in the room. You know, you got Vita Bay who's going to take the brunt of it. Greg Gaines, Kalijah Canty, that's why he was a first-round pick. I think you got to remember, too, this roster's always changing. Like, no one saw them trading for Steve McClendon halfway through the year a couple seasons ago. And then Steve McClendon ended up being, like, a solid role player. He's so, great, man. Yeah. I'm still optimistic about Logan Hall. But I do agree there are things – it's a little bit more of a wait and see with Logan Hall than it is with any of the other guys that we've kind of talked about. Yeah. You know, if I'm looking at, you know, the draft class from last year, that's exactly what it is. It's not apathy, um, but it's just kind of like, okay, man, you know, I need to see something before I start, you know, getting the ball rolling on this. But, you know, whereas you have, even with Zion McCollum, you know, just what, he is as a player, you know, puts him at that other level. And, you know, he didn't flash really a lot last year. You know, he had like we were talking about the missed tackles and all that stuff. But still, yeah, with with Logan, I don't know. It's just a weird vibe right now. And that's obviously subjective on my part. Totally enthusiastic and still optimistic he can make it work. But, yeah, I, it's definitely wait and see on my end with him. Uh, one thing I'm always enthusiastic about, of course, is Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast and – pewterreport.com they got a variety of flavors make sure you make it your number one pick you see the oasis vibe sparkling lemon lime uh, sparkling orange as well i love the arctic vibe i'm a huge fan cucumber lime is great too so uh, if you need to go pick up a uh, celsius don't know where to find one go to the store locator on the celsius website punch in your address and it will tell you the closest location where you can pick one up at your local Walmart, Target, convenience store, 7-Eleven, or your bodega, as uh, I like to say. So uh, go to Celsius Store Locator, find out where you can get one near you, and just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. Evan, uh, you've been very gracious with your time. I know you got to pop out soon, but one more guy I feel like we should talk about because he probably got the most playing time out of all the uh, guys going into their second year. That's tight end Kate Otten. Yep. Um, a veteran in the tight end room now with himself and Co. Keith as uh, as second year players. Obviously, Payne Durham out of Purdue they drafted this year for Kate Otten. I think he's going to be tight end one, but I think this tight end group is going to be productive. But it's going to be a tight end by committee with Cade leading the way. Probably if if, if I was going to bet, I'd say Cade would lead the tight ends in receiving yards. But uh, how, how do you see it for him? Yeah, I that's easily the one guy we definitely had to mention before, you know, everything concluded. But uh yeah, I love the trajectory he's on. Um, you know, talk about somebody who really took advantage of their moments last year. That yeah. was Kate Otten. And, you know, him being a fourth round pick makes it all the more impressive. And that's what gives you confidence that Peyton Durham maybe won't have the same impact, but will at least be able to come in and provide significant quality snaps. Um, is that, you know, it, Tight ends are one of those positions too, where it might it takes them a long time to develop, or not a long time, but a couple more, a couple years to develop. You know, kind of like defensive line. But you know, Cade looks pretty seamless right now. And yeah, with Dave Canales and how he likes to use tight ends, how the Seahawks have liked to use tight ends over last year. I mean, if you go back with Noah Fant, Will Disley, and yeah. the other cat I can't think of right off the top of my head last year, 
Um, but yeah, you look at how they use him, and it's definitely going to be a tight end by committee. You know, I would be surprised if you know, I, I would be surprised if two, if Coquefe and Kate Otten and whoever the third tight end, but let's just say Durham. Um, I would be surprised if it if the snap share is anything different than like. 40 30 25 or something like that yeah. i think they're all going to be playing a lot of snaps a lot of different roles and canalis's offense the the different plays out of the same looks or whatever maybe it's the other way around no yes yeah, that's what it was sorry i get confused sometimes <laughs> but uh <laughs> running that also allows these guys to move around the formation um you know all that other stuff and you can use them in all kinds of different ways and that's the cool thing too is you know obviously coquif is more of a blocker but with durham and otten they're the traditional wide tight ends. They can block and they can catch. So you're not pigeonholing or you're not really tipping off the defense whenever they're on the field. You know, like when you had when you had uh, Cam Bright on the field, you knew most of the time it was a pass because his run blocking wasn't that yeah. great. <laughs> with, you know, so but like, yeah, they're not going to pigeonhole themselves and that's going to really allow them to, you know, get these guys going. Yeah, it'll be cool to see some two tight ends and three tight end sets. I, I think the red zone is going to be where these guys can really th thrive, especially uh, Payne Durham, but Kate Otten as well. He was always Mr. Second Half. I want to see him get more involved um, earlier in the game. But Evan, uh, great insight, man. Thank you so much for your time. I know you got to hop off here. So just real quick, uh, where can everyone find you on your social media? And just tell them again about A to Z Sports. Yeah, so uh, a to z sports.com, you know, check us out. Like, like I said, 23 of 32 teams right now. The Buccaneers are definitely one. They were one of our, our originals. So, you know, they're they're the blue blood of the uh, of the website. Um, but um, and then we're going to push to all 32 in August. So we'll be able to, you know, fit one size fits all by that point. But uh, uh, you don't don't want to go to the website. You can check me out on Twitter at Evan underscore a to z. Awesome. Thank you so much. Evan Winter, ladies and gentlemen, appreciate you joining the show today and don't forget ladies and gentlemen tomorrow we have a very special guest bucks starting right guard cody mock mauk i should say is uh going to be joining the show gonna be an awesome time he's been super exciting already just from um just from the couple of interviews that we've already had with him virtually when he first got drafted and then of course uh in person right before rookie OTAs or rookie minicamp, I should say. So very excited to have Cody Mauk on the show tomorrow. Going to be a lot of fun myself and uh, JC Allen as well. Uh, but I'm going to stick on for a little bit more too. Uh, a couple guys that we still have to talk about. Um, yeah. And if you have any questions, feel free to ask away. We'll do a little Q and a right now. Al Bundy says, I think co will be a tight end three. I agree. I, I think it's going to be, Kate Otten one, Payne Durham two, a uh, Coquif at three, and then they, they got a couple of other guys that have been in practice. Um, Tanner Taula or not Tanner uh, Taula, the tight end though, made the big catch from Kyle Trask the other day, and yeah, Coquif can kind of do a little bit of everything, as uh, Matthew Sam's saying. Is Co is that tight end, fullback type of back? Let's remember he scored a touchdown last season in the game against the Browns, and I'm pretty sure he lined up as a uh, as a tight end or sorry, as a, as a fullback on that play. So, yeah, you'll see him move around more where um, Kate Otten and Payne Durham will be in their, uh, you know, traditional tight end role. So we talked about a lot of guys already, Logan Hall, Luke Gedeke, Kate Otten, Rashad White. We mentioned Coquif a little bit. I, I think we know Coquif's role, to be honest with any with everybody. Like, he's going to be that fullback. As Nathan says, there will be a battle for tight end two. You know what? I don't think the tight end one job is just going specifically to Kate Otten. I think he's going to win it. I think he's going to grasp this offense pretty well. I mean, he's just a guy that already has a, a high football IQ. But don't get me wrong. Payne Durham will absolutely compete for uh, tight end one. I don't think he's going to get it. At least right away. But yeah, I think that's Kate Otten's job to lose. And then Coquifed. Just going to be a bruiser, cracking skulls on blocks. He's going to be important in the run game as well. I'm excited to see like how and where he's going to line up because he could be uh, a little bit of everywhere. But of course, the other second-year player that we got to talk about who had one of the more exciting plays of the season, not going to say the most exciting play because Rashad White scored a game-winning touchdown, Kate Otten scored a game-winning touchdown, and then set up 
the comeback for Rashad White's game-winning touchdown with his own TD as well. But I'd be remiss if we did not talk about this man, Jake Camarda. Obviously, the infamous play he had was late in the season, a home game where there was a, a botch snap. He had to go get it, roll out, and um, get the punt off before he, you know, got sacked, before he lost the ball, before the opponent was able to, you know, pick it up and go. But Jake Camarda, I, I think he's in for another solid year. I don't have all the punting stats in front of me at the moment, so forgive me. But, you know, we, he was a solid guy. I think he came on pretty well. I'm curious to see if he's going to do the kickoffs this year because that was the big thing when they had Ryan Suckup as the kicker is that um, Jake Camarda was going to run the kickoffs as well. But this year he doesn't necessarily have to with the Bucks having their own kicker battle. We'll see what the decision is there from Todd Bowles and Keith Armstrong. But he's obviously very athletic. He's got an absolute boot on him. I think he did a solid job last year overall of just pinning teams deep. I'd like to see him improve on that this year because uh, I think in the past, the Bucks punt coverage hasn't always been ideal. They've allowed some uh, pretty big returns in recent seasons. So I'd like to see a couple more fair catches, those pins, inside the uh you know inside the the 20 and maybe even the 10 but you know Jake Camarda was definitely a very very serviceable first year uh punter in the league Wayne Hawkinson says special teams should improve with the increased team speed yeah that's a that's a great point there I love this comment by Richard Taroka the Leganeer little pun on the Buccaneers but yeah back to Wayne's point Absolutely true, 100%, if you're talking about uh, this, just the overall speed. I mean, they want to get faster. I know specifically they were talking about offense and defense, but it's going to help out with special teams too. I mean, we talk about Devin Tompkins as well. He's a second-year player. He wasn't drafted, but he's without question a uh, second-year player. But will he be the return guy? Of course, Trey Palmer is in the mix as well. And if you have Zion McCollum as one of the gunners, as you see, Trey Palmer there with uh, special, uh, sorry, not special teams coach, wide receivers coach Brad Itzik in the photo. Trey Palmer could end up being a gunner as well. Or if Trey Palmer wins the starting kick returner job, Devin Tompkins could become a uh, become a, a gunner. So you're just adding speed to that team, which is super important. Cade Warner is another player that's trying to make this team. Josh Hayes is going to play. A lot of special teams. They're working on special teams in this photo. This is uh, Servasier, Dennis, and Cade Warner. I'm not by any means saying that Cade is making this team, but I think you're going to see a vast improvement with the Bucks special teams coverage this year. Overall, as a return team, they weren't too bad. I know it didn't look great at times, but once they made the move for Devin Tompkins as the full-time kick returner, the Bucks improved in a great way. But in terms of uh, kick return yards allowed. And I know the NFL just changed the rule, so it's going to look very different uh, this time around. But kick return yards and punt return yards allowed. The Bucks were towards the bottom of the league. Not last, not even, you know, bottom five, but, you know, between 20 and 32, they were in that range, which isn't always great. Matthew Sam's talking about Jake Camarda said he had a great year. Some people didn't like drafting a kicker, but he was excellent. I don't have no problem with where they drafted him. They drafted him in like the fifth or sixth round, if I'm not mistaken. That's um, like that's all right. It's it's when you pick a guy much much earlier is when it really is the issue. Just because you make one bad draft pick doesn't mean that you should just never <laughs> draft that position again. Just you learn from your mistake. Don't draft a kicker that early, or at least a a field goal kicker. Um, again, punter's a little bit of a different story. Tim Allen says, LFG. Tim, thank you for watching the show. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate all the pewter people that are watching this show. Nathan Elliott says, Cade Warner will make the team and be challenging for wide receiver four or wide receiver five. He will be light years better than Jalen Falldown Darden. Well, if he wants to create contact he'll be better than Jalen Darden because Darden just ran out of bounds every single time and I don't really want to knock a guy while he's not on the team anymore but the wide receiver group in general how it's going to work out is quite interesting we know the main guys obviously you got Mike Evans 
You have Chris Godwin. It was great hearing from Chris Godwin yesterday uh, talking about his new role, uh, just the offense, everything else. Um, And then Russell Gage as your wide receiver three. But after that, I think it's fairly open competition for who's going to win that job. I mean, Tevin Tompkins is in the mix. Trey Palmer, they obviously drafted. Um, who was it? Uh, Raheem Jarrett, the wide receiver, undrafted free agent out of Maryland, I believe. He's in the mix. And, of course, Cade Warner. So, going to be open competition. It's just more of will the Bucks take four? Uh, will they take five? Will they take six? Very interested to see what they are going to do. Uh, Misador says, sorry, let me change grid here let's go back to trey palmer we like trey palmer right we'll do a different cade warner there we go misador says could be worse they could have drafted a qb in the second round and then dress him (laughs) once in two years yeah misador feeling a little salty about the uh move for kyle trask you know what what since we're talking about wide receivers um i liked what chris we didn't play this video on yesterday's peter report podcast so this is Technically new content, even though it came out yesterday. Uh, Chris Godwin spoke about the quarterback competition. You know, obviously he's worked with a couple quarterbacks in his career, mostly Jameis Winston, a little bit of Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then Tom Brady the, the past couple of seasons. But this is a new experience for everybody, really, but specifically with Chris Godwin. He talked about working with Baker, Kyle Trask, what he thinks of the overall competition, how it's going to play out. And uh, I thought he had a good answer. So we're going to play it. I mean, honestly, it, it's just different. You know, anytime you have a, you know, a new quarterback, it's different. And obviously we don't know who that guy is going to be yet, but um, it doesn't feel weird. It just, you know, it just feels like you're just getting reps with a bunch of guys. So, you know, I get to work on my own skill development, you know, get to work with the receivers. And then it's like, for us, we got to handle our business regardless of who's throwing the ball. So we kind of like discuss those things, just go out and it's like, let's make the play. When the ball comes our way, let's make the play. Um, I think Kyle and, and Baker have both done a great job so far of just, you know, it's like a friendly competition. Like there's no like, animosity. Like you see them helping each other. They talk through a bunch of things. So I think we have a really good environment on our team right now. And, you know, I think we're all really just trying to pull the rope in the same direction. Yeah, good stuff from Chris Godwin there. Matthew says uh, Tompkins. I believe he thinks Tompkins is either going to win the kick return job or at least make this roster as a wide receiver as j ray 12 says our wide receiver room is really talented obviously talented with the top two russell gage a big question mark this year you're seeing a lot more speed though bucks had height last year when you added julio jones to the mix but they weren't fast now they got a lot of small guys you know trey palmer six one warner's not that tall but like Warner's got speed. Trey Palmer obviously has speed. He's got a four, three 40 yard dash. Um, you know, Raheem Jarrett brings something to the mix. So you're going to see a lot more quickness to this box offense, which I think is super important because we have to remember this offense with Dave Canales, it's not no risk it, no biscuit anymore. It's going to be a lot of short to intermediate routes. That's going to give guys opportunities to make bigger plays by either breaking tackles or catching the ball in stride. We talked a lot about the different mesh routes that are going to happen this year with the offense. So uh, there's a lot of exciting things to come with these speedy wide receivers. You're going to have the height with Mike and Chris. You don't need everyone to be six, five. You don't want to be crazy small either. Uh, But I think the bucks have a very nice balance there. Uh, Richard with a question, can wide receiver Trey Palmer be the next Antonio Brown Minus the head case issues. I think, I mean, Antonio Brown is just an excellent route runner. And he had this smooth elusiveness to him, which I don't think Trey Palmer has just yet. He has the speed clearly and has already shown that he can, you know, take the top off of the defense. So I do see a couple of similarities. I wouldn't say his overall comparison is to Antonio Brown. I don't think he's going to be the next Antonio Brown, but I think he can be way more of a threat than Scotty Miller was in this offense. And ironic because they're weighing the the same number 10. Uh, Matthew says, I'm excited to see Trey Palmer. Wayne Haskins, sorry, Wayne Hackinson says, I will wait to see the wide receivers once the pads come on. I agree with that too, because I'll admit I was pretty excited about Jalen Darden. And then the pads came on and 
you know, he never built up to the expectations. So uh, I would agree with that. And Kelly asking, what do you think about David Moore, the wide receiver? So, um, yeah, he's here on a, on an invite. He was actually taking some punt returns as well. I don't think he's going to win that job. Veteran player was in Seattle for a while, knows this offense. I don't really see him making a team. Um, I could see him being as a practice squad guy and, and overall helping out with the offense. I think there is importance and value to that aspect of it. So um, I, I don't mind the, the, the Bucks have went the route with veteran signings before, and it doesn't always pan out, but I think David Moore, that one is certainly a, a little bit more intriguing than um, some other ones in the past. Speaking of intrigue, you know, I'm a big gambling guy. So uh, I'm always intrigued to all the sports that are going on. So I can bet on them. And of course, if you're going to, be betting make sure you go and do it over at mybookie.ag. we've all been there before a weekend trip to the casino canceled because real life came calling well my bookie's new and approved online casino is here to change the game dive into a truly realistic casino experience featuring the latest in slots progressive jackpots and live dealer action all from the comfort of your own home Take advantage of weekly blackjack tournaments and a brand new collection of high-end games for a chance at real cash rewards. The MyBookie Casino provides a Las Vegas experience when the action's in your hands, and the best part is you don't even need to wear pants. Your adventure at the MyBookie Casino begins today with a generous sign-up bonus using promo code PEWTER, that's promo code PEWTER, P-E-W-T-E-R, to secure yourself a sweet deposit bonus. And that's not all. Because their revamped loyalty program ensures that you'll be showered with rewards. That includes free spins, cashback offers, and a host of exclusive VIP perks. The more you play, the more you win. Play anytime, anywhere with the MyBookie Casino. Once again, that promo code is Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. And you can also use it to get a first deposit bonus up to $1,000. So play for free. Why not? Absolutely. MyBookie dot ag i know um the nba playoffs the celtics won last night uh so it's 3-1 you might want to take a prop bet on the celtics to come back and win that series maybe um the panthers are up 3-0 against um carolina hurricanes that one's probably over but i think they play tonight you can bet on them and of course uh you have vegas and the dallas stars as well believe Vegas is up 3-0, so that series is done. But you can, of course, bet on the Stanley Cup Finals and the NBA Finals when uh, those come around. Of course, baseball is going on at the moment. Rays are really good. Mets are playing a lot better. So bet on those teams as well over at mybookie.ag. Uh, Brandon, I saw you asked this question the other day, and um, we'll get to it now. Brandon Riley says, will you guys be going to Indianapolis to cover that game? I just got ticks on the 50-yard line. That is awesome, Brandon. Uh, we're still figuring out the uh, travel schedule and everything for Pewter Report in terms of um, road games. We usually try to get uh, a Pewter Reporter or two out there for the road games, um, but we don't have anything set in stone. However, um, if you're out there and we send someone, we'll let you know. And um, I, I think you said something in another one you want to say hello, whatever. More than happy to say hi uh, if we have one of us out there. But, yeah, we'll keep you guys updated about those games. We're usually, we usually have someone at least at, at every road game, but uh, we will finalize that. Matthew says Heat going to the finals. Yeah, probably. I'm curious as well uh, to get your guys' opinions. Um, you know I'm a big gambler. I like to – responsibly, of course. Um, I like to um, – do some stuff with betting the Bucks. I've written about in the past. I, I like to tweet out my picks before the game as well, whether it's, you know, the over under the, you know, whether the Bucks are a favorite or not. I like to do some prop bets as well. My best bet that I hit for the Bucks last year, was that Bucks Carolina game. If you recall the game before the Bucks, like were not, it was when they lost to the Steelers and they just were not throwing it to Mike Evans. He didn't get a lot of targets in the second half. So I said, hammer, the over on receiving yards for Mike Evans and the number of catches he had. And uh, those hit pretty, pretty well. Like they completely surpassed the over under number on both of those accounts. So I'm thinking about possibly doing like a YouTube segment when the season gets here, just box picks and maybe some NFL picks as well. Um, if you guys would be interested in that, let me know. Feel free to comment on this 
uh, as Tom says, he's a craps guy. I like the game of craps, but it's like way too confusing for me that I would need someone else in there that knows it well to, to, you know, play it often. But yeah, if, if you want to see some gambling content with myself, whether it's on YouTube or whatever, feel free to comment here, comment on the video below uh, after the show. Uh, please hit the like button as Tom said, and, or, uh, you know, feel free to DM me on Twitter. I'm uh, at Matty for underscore Matera. That's M A T E R A. Um, like I said, we have a very fun show tomorrow. Bucks rookie right guard. Cody Malk is going to be joining us on tomorrow's show at 7 PM Eastern time. So, Set your channel, set your notifications to that. Going to be awesome talking to uh, Cody Mack. Going to be uh, a very fun time chatting with him. Also want to remind everybody, of course, we love our Celsius energy drinks. If you want to get a variety pack of them, because variety is the spice of life, and just get Celsius in bulk overall, head on over to Amazon, do the subscribe and save, and you can have uh, Celsius Energy sent to your house apartment every week, month, quarterly, yearly, whenever you want. As long as you are drinking a Celsius Energy drink, more than happy with that. Celsius Energy, the official sponsor of PeterReport.com and the Peter Report podcast. Uh, Tom says, Matt, craps isn't that hard. You put money in any way of goodbye. That's a good one. Brandon reminding everybody, follow, follow, follow. Yes, please do. And uh, Richard says, Strahan made a career with his gap teeth. Malk can do the same. Yes, please. We want to make this as interactive as possible when Cody is on the show. So uh, when he's on, if you have any questions, feel free to put in the comments. We'll get to a couple of them. Of course, if you super chat us, we will definitely make sure that we get to your question. But very excited to have uh, Cody on the show for tomorrow. And please remember to like and subscribe to Pewter Report. Follow us on our social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Pewter Report. Our YouTube channel is Pewter Report TV. We got some great content out. A couple of Baker Mayfield stuff. We had a Chris Godwin video earlier today. We'll have much, much more coming up very, very soon. So that's going to do it for us on tonight's show want to thank evan winter again for joining the show so for evan winter who was on earlier i'm matt matera saying thanks everybody for watching and we will see you tomorrow for another edition of the pewter report podcast at 7 p.m cody mauk get ready very excited peace out